I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. We're continuing through our, our study of this uh, wonderful letter, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And today we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. One of the beautiful things about the church is its diversity. It's made up of people of all ages, from different backgrounds, different life experiences, people with different perspectives, different passions, and we, we come together as one family in Jesus Christ. And we worship the, the same God together, we follow the same Savior together. Uh, one of the complicated things about the church is its diversity. You know, all those differences um, have the potential to cause conflict um, there, there's much that we agree about as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we don't see eye to eye on everything, do we? And uh, each of us works out the implications of our faith in Jesus Christ in, in different ways. And if, if you've been around uh, the Christian church over the past several years, um, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Craig mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, you know, masks, vaccines, pandemic restrictions, um, politics, social justice questions, immigration. And, you know, we, we all love Jesus, but we don't think the same way about all these things. And that's not to mention, you know, the, the perennial issues that Christians disagree about, you know, Worship styles, uh, traditional worship versus contemporary worship, um, you know, how to educate your kids, uh, which films and music are okay, should, should Christians drink alcohol or not, and the, and the list just goes on and on. And, you know, we all have opinions about these things, and we like to think that our opinions are the correct ones, right? I mean, we've, we've looked into this, we've studied, we've come to conclusions, and we feel like, how could any, anyone think any differently on this issue? And so it's challenging for us as Christians to get along with all these differences that we have. And, and listen, uh, we're in the midst of another election year, and it's going to feel like our differences are just amplified. You know, emotions will run high. Fear is going to get the better of us at times. And we're going to be tempted to think the worst about each other. How do we get along as brothers and sisters in Christ despite our differences? You know, how can we as a church embody love and unity in Jesus Christ um, despite all these, these differing opinions? And the, and the passage we're going to look at today here in, in Romans speaks to these kinds of questions. Um, Paul has spent 11 chapters unpacking the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We, our sins have been forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. We have been declared righteous in God's sight. God has made us part of his family. You're, um, and it's not because of anything good we have done, not because of any good works we have performed, but because of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection. And, and the gospel Paul has been telling us is all about God's undeserved love and grace that comes to us 
through Jesus Christ. And then starting in chapter 12, he begins to work out some of the implications of the gospel for how we live now. And he's talked about a number of different issues, both uh, for our public lives and private lives. And, and here in chapters 14 and 15, which we're going to start looking at today, Paul brings the gospel of Jesus Christ, this good news about God's grace, he brings it into our disagreements, into our, our conflicts with each other over uh, different issues. And he, and he shows us how God's grace in Jesus Christ helps us get along despite our differences. You know, the, the disagreements the church in Rome had aren't the same kinds of disagreements we have. You'll see that as I read the passage in a moment. But the solution is the same. The, the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. That, that's what's going to help us love and accept each other despite our differences. So let me read the passage for us. Uh, Romans 14 verses 1 to 12, that's page 948 in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along there. It's also printed on page 9 in your order of worship. This is God's Word. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let me pray for us one more time. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would Use your word today to shape and mold us. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us humility and the gentleness of Christ as we face these issues over which we disagree? We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do we get along with other Christians despite our differences? I want you to see three pieces of counsel that the Apostle Paul gives in the passage today. Number one, welcome them because God has welcomed them. Number two, remember Jesus Christ is Lord, not you. And number three, know that God is the final judge. So welcome them because God has welcomed them. Remember that Jesus Christ is Lord 
and know that God is the final judge. So first, how do, how do we get along? Paul says, welcome those other Christians that you have a hard time um, agreeing with. Welcome them because God has welcomed them. And we see this in verses 1 to 3. Paul begins, you know, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. There's obviously a problem at the church in Rome. There's, there's disagreements. There's arguments. It's threatening the, the unity of the church. And let me just give you a, a quick sketch of the situation. Otherwise, Paul's counsel won't make as much sense. Um, there's at least two issues uh, dividing the church, um, diet and days. You see diet in verse 2. Some of the Christians there in Rome chose not to eat meat, and others were perfectly fine enjoying a, a juicy steak. So diet was, a, was an issue. Um, days were an issue, verse 5. Some of the Christians there regarded certain days as special, probably uh, treated them as, as holy days, sacred days. And, and other Christians in the church there thought every day uh, was the same. And, and Paul labels these disagreements in verse 1 as opinions, opinions. Uh, some of your translations might say disputable matters. These are, these are secondary issues, okay? Not, not core Christian beliefs and practices. This isn't a disagreement over those, those truths that a person must believe to be a Christian. These are, um, these are practices that the Bible doesn't directly command, uh, but neither does it directly prohibit. They're, they're matters of conscience, and, and each Christian has to work out for themselves how to proceed. And, and you notice Paul um, calls the, the vegetarians in the church uh, weak. We'll see what he means in a moment. Uh, uh, later, <laughs> later, he calls the, the carnivores strong in chapter 15. And, and for us, you know, this all seems so trivial. I mean, why would Christians argue over um, steak? Why would Christians argue over days, but these were serious issues in the, in the, church, in the ancient church. And um, who are the weak? The weak, for the most part, are Jewish Christians. These are, are people who have, um, men and women, who have grown up eating kosher, observing the Jewish Sabbath, celebrating the Jewish holy days, and, and even though they are free in Christ to eat pork, their, their conscience won't let them. They, they feel in their conscience it would be wrong to do so. And, and apparently in Rome, it was hard to get kosher meat, and so some of them just gave up meat altogether. Um, so Paul doesn't have a problem with vegetarianism um, per se. Uh, this is a specific issue in, in Rome. The strong, on the other hand, are mainly non Jewish Christians, you know, Gentiles, uh, people who were not ethnic Jews, not culturally Jewish. They didn't grow up with. Um, these kinds of uh, cultural practices, and for them, you know, a kosher diet, keeping the Jewish Sabbath are, are non-issues, and, and they rightly understand, Paul will say later, uh, we'll see next week, they rightly understand that in Christ um, we are free to eat what we want, and, and they are free not to observe the Jewish Sabbath, but, um, but there's conflict. And in what way are the, the vegetarians, Paul talks about, what way are they weak in faith? You know, if, if for some reason you, you only eat a, a plant-based diet, 
Um, does that mean there's something defective about, about your faith? Um, some of you are probably thinking, yeah, that's true. But um, no, um, Paul doesn't mean that they're, they're weak, that, that they lack faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, he regards them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not saying uh, they lack conviction. He's not saying they're, they're wishy-washy Christians. In fact, the, these weak brothers and sisters that Paul talks about, they have very strong convictions. They, they have very strong opinions. Um, we might say scruples. And they see themselves as the serious Christians. And, and those others, the, the, the meat eaters, they're the, you know, they have no standards. They're the, they're the wishy-washy Christians. The problem with the, the weak camp in the, in the church at Rome is, is not that they lack conviction. It's that their convictions are not informed by the Word of God. And so the result is their conscience is bound where the Bible says they're free. So, so that's the, the situation in Rome. The, the Christians in the church there, they're, they're at odds over various issues, secondary issues. Now, we know something about that, don't we? We know what that's like. I mean, if, if a handful of us sat down this afternoon to talk politics, it's going to become very clear that different Christians think differently about the issues, right? And, and what's the temptation when, when we disagree, when we don't see eye to eye on these things? What, what are we tempted to do? Well, Paul talks about it in verse 3. He, he says uh, there's a temptation to despise the other group, there's a temptation to condemn the other group. The, the strong look down on the weak. I mean, those people, they're just, they're just cranky traditionalists, so stuck in their ways. And, and the weak, for their part, they, they condemn and judge the strong. You know, whatever happened to moral standards? I mean, look at the way they dress. Um, how could a Christian vote like that? Uh, that's what's going on, and, and that's what we're tempted to do. And what's Paul's counsel? What does, he, what does he tell this church that's at odds with itself over secondary issues? We're not talking about you know, the, the gospel is at stake here. We're talking about non-essentials. What's Paul's counsel? Well, he's, he says, welcome each other. Welcome each other. And, and, and this welcome is more than just, you know, a, a firm handshake and a smile on a Sunday morning. He's not saying be polite to each other. Um, this is the idea of embracing each other as family, treating each other as full-fledged brothers or sisters in Christ. And, and that's not easy to do, is it? Um, families, you know, don't always get along with each other, don't always like each other, do they? I mean, some of you might have experienced this last month during the, the Christmas holiday, perhaps at a, you know, a family gathering, and, and Uncle Ed was there, and, you know, Uncle Ed is uh, not very happy about the direction of the country, and he's not too shy about letting everyone know, and, and you kind of took the bait, right? You got into this argument with Uncle Ed over these things, and it was ugly, and, and you left that Christmas gathering thinking, I'm sure glad I don't have to see Uncle Ed for another year. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. 
And maybe you're wondering, how am I supposed to embrace that, that Christian, that other Christian at church? I mean, uh, we are so different. And, and I'm not even sure I want to be in the same room with them. And I'm supposed to welcome them as a brother or a sister? Well, you notice Paul says, welcome them. And at the end of verse 3, he says, for God has welcomed them. Welcome them because God has welcomed them. How has God welcomed them? I mean, this is what Paul's been talking about all throughout Romans, that uh, God's gracious welcome of all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Being a Christian, part of what being a Christian means is you are completely loved and accepted by God the Father through Jesus Christ. Um, He's embraced you. He's cleansed you from your sin. He's clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's brought you into the family. He, He loves you the way He loves His unique Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means for, for God to welcome someone. And, and listen, God's welcome of us, it, it doesn't depend on being on the right side of these, these secondary issues. Uh, it, it's not as though God welcomes only the strong and, and not the weak, or, or only the weak but not the strong. God's welcome comes to us as an undeserved gift of pure grace. Uh, we, we hold out the empty hands of faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and God fills them with His love and His, and his acceptance. That, that's God's welcome. And so if, if God has welcomed the person in the pew next to me, um, how could I dare reject them? That's what Paul's getting at here. And, and we need to learn to see each other through a gospel lens. Um, we're so quick to focus on our differences, right? So quick to focus on the disagreements. What if we saw each other as people loved by God in Christ? What if I, I looked at you and I saw not somebody with whom I, I have differing opinions, but someone whom God has embraced in Jesus Christ? You know, we, we live in a divided age, don't, don't we? Um, uh, people self-segregate into social groups, and, and everyone in the group looks the same, they think the same, they, uh, they vote the same, and, and we vilify the, the people outside of our tribe, right? That, that's just the way things are um, today. And, and Christians aren't immune to that. I mean, that's part of the reason there are so many different kinds of churches is because Christians divide over these secondary issues. Um, it's just part of human nature to be more comfortable with, with sameness than, than unity in diversity. But, but what a powerful testimony to the power of the gospel when um, people who don't see eye to eye and maybe have very strong differences worship side by side in the same church. They, they come together um, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and not in different services. You know, the, the early service is for the meat eaters and the, the later service is for the vegetarians. But, but together, one community in Christ welcomed by God through Jesus Christ. So how do we get along with other Christians despite our differences? Paul's first piece of counsel is welcome them because God has welcomed them. And then second, 
Remember, Jesus Christ is Lord, not you. Jesus is Lord, not you, not me. We see this in verses 4 to 9. Do you know what's going on when we despise each other? When we condemn each other for for these differing opinions on non-essential issues? Do you you know what is really going on behind the scenes? It's it's sort of like we, we push Jesus off his throne and then sit down in his place. We're saying, look, I'm Lord. Um, What I think is what really matters, and you better bow down, and you better obey, and you better agree, or else. And and Paul has something to say about that in in verse 4. Let me just paraphrase what he says in verse 4. Who do you think you are? And he's he's speaking to the weak here in in verse 4, those those Christians with, with lots of scruples who who judge their fellow Christians for not sharing those scruples. Who do you think you are? He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And so Paul makes his point here with a a metaphor. He uses a a relationship that was very familiar in the ancient Roman world, um, the relationship between a household servant and and a master. Household servants worked very closely with the master of the home to manage the, the family's affairs. And, and you just did not interfere in that relationship. Okay, It, it, was a, a, it would be considered outrageous for you to show up at your neighbor's house and begin bossing around your neighbor's household servant. I mean, you just, you don't do that because the servant answers to the master. And, and here's Paul's point. As, as believers in Jesus Christ, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And our fellow believers, they don't answer to us. They answer to Him. And the Master's approval is what really matters. It, what matters is what Jesus thinks, not what I think, not what you think. We, we stand or fall before Him. And, and some of you, um, I know, have, have been on the receiving end of just ugly, unfair criticism and judgment from, from fellow Christians. And it stings, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's discouraging. And it's even um, can be unsettling, can it? And you start to wonder, well, maybe that's how God feels about me also. And listen to Paul's word of assurance here. The Lord will uphold you. He will cause you to stand approved before Him. Uh, again, this is Paul's just been saying this chapter after chapter. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ, neither death nor life, not even the unjust criticism of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul says in verse 5, follow your conscience on these, on these disputed issues. Follow your conscience. He uses the example of of treating certain days as special or not. And he says, each one, so each of you, wherever you land on this issue, um, each of you should be fully convinced in his own mind. Convinced of, of what? Convinced that you are able to honor the Lord with what you decide to do or not do. And, and Paul fleshes that out in verse 6. He shows what that looks like. If, if you regard a certain day as, as holy and sacred, then do so 
in honor of the Lord. If, if you don't observe the day, do so in honor of the Lord. If, if you eat meat, do it to the glory of God. If you don't eat meat, do it to the glory of God. Um, do whatever you do out of devotion to Jesus Christ. And uh, Let me give you an updated example, maybe uh, something a little more contemporary. You know, you've got two Christians, and let's call them uh, Matthew and Mark. And I don't mean anybody here, uh, you know, the, the gospel writers. Matthew and Mark. And Matthew um, enjoys a, a glass of wine in the evening. And, um, you know, nothing excessive, just, uh, just one glass. And he knows the Bible says wine is a gift. It gladdens uh, a person's heart. Mark, on the other hand, is also a, a committed Christian, serious about his faith, but he avoids alcohol completely. I mean, he's seen it destroy the lives of, of friends and family. And, and Mark himself has even struggled with substance abuse in the past. And he just he wants to stay as far away from it as possible because he doesn't want to go down that path again. Who's right? Whose view is, is the correct one? Which, uh, which rule should we follow? Those are the wrong questions. That's what Paul's getting at here. Those really aren't the important questions on these secondary matters. The real question is, does your decision flow out of your love and devotion to Jesus Christ? You know, Are you able to do what you do um, to the glory of your Lord and Savior? That's the real issue. You see, for us as Christians, um, all of life is oriented toward Jesus Christ. I mean, even these mundane, uh, seemingly trivial issues, it, it, it all revolves around him. And, and Paul drops some deep theology in, in verses 7 to 9 to, to make that point. He says, look, none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. In other words, our, our lives are not our own. We belong to Jesus Christ. He, he bought us with His own blood. He says this is the reason Christ died and rose from the grave so that we might belong to Him. And you know the, the Heidelberg Catechism, right? We, in, in, we belong to Him in body and in soul, in life and in death. And so Paul's saying, enjoy your glass of wine to the praise of Jesus' name. Or, Avoid that glass of wine to the praise of Jesus' name. The motivation in these issues, remember these are secondary issues, non-essential issues, it's not a matter of God said do this or don't do this. Motivation matters more than the correctness of your view on these issues. Are you able to do this out of love for Jesus? That's what Paul's Getting at. So, how does this help me get along with Christians I, with whom I disagree? You know, why is it important that, to remember that Jesus is Lord, um, not me? Well, Jesus' Lordship, it, one thing it means is that I won't make it my mission to uh, convert you to my opinions. Um, you know, I will respect your conscience. Paul says there very clearly. Each needs to be fully convinced in their own mind. And I'll believe, if I believe that Jesus is Lord and you answer to him, I will believe that you've arrived at your position in good faith, out of love for Jesus, out of devotion to him, and a desire to honor him. And that doesn't mean... You know, we can't have some, some friendly debate 
on these things. That, that might be appropriate in the, in the right setting. Um, it, it could help sharpen our thinking. But it does mean I recognize God has not called me to be the thought police, the behavior police, the, the opinion police. We can, we can coexist peacefully in the same church because ultimately you answer to Jesus, not me. And, and I answer to Jesus, ultimately, not, not you. So how do we get along with other Christians despite our differences? Paul says, welcome them because God has welcomed them. Second, he says, remember, Jesus Christ is Lord, not you. And then third, and, and briefly, know that God is the final judge. God is the final judge. And in verses 10 to 12, Paul kind of sums up and repeats much of what he's said already. He asks the weak, why do you pass judgment on your brother or your sister? Why do you condemn them? And then he turns to the strong and he says, why do you despise your brother or your sister? And then he gives this sobering reminder. Um, Every Christian, each one of us will stand before God's judgment seat one day. And he quotes the words of the the Old Testament prophet Isaiah as confirmation. And he explains in verse 12 what what this will mean. He says, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Uh, One day, every Christian will stand before God and they'll describe to him how they sought to live out their faith. And and you need to realize this is not a trial to determine whether you're guilty or innocent. I mean, we've seen chapter after chapter in Romans that if you're in Christ, the verdict has already been given. Righteous in Christ. No condemnation in Christ. That's not what this is about. And, and maybe you're wondering, well, what is it about? And I have to say, got to save that for another sermon. I don't want you to miss the, the main point here. Paul says each of us will give an account of himself. On that day, we're not going to be talking to God about, you know, so-and-so, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Um, we're not going to be talking to God about their decisions and their opinions, uh, we'll give an account of ourselves. And, and what Paul's saying here is, look, because God is the judge, and I'm among those who will be judged, I have no place to sit in judgment of my Christian brothers and sisters today. And, and Paul doesn't mean we can't evaluate a person's profession of faith, or we can't draw conclusions from the fruit of someone's life. I mean, he talks about doing those very things elsewhere in his letters. What he's saying is, don't put yourself in God's place. Focus on your own conduct. Don't be so worried about what the others in your church have concluded on these issues. Focus on how you'll answer to God for what you have decided. Paul says, know that God is the final judge. And so the the church's diversity is is beautiful. It's it's an amazing thing. But the church's diversity is also um, challenging. It it makes getting along complicated. And, and, you know, how are we going to do it? With, you know, I'm different... From you, you're different from me. We see things differently. 
Uh, We have opinions and perspectives and preferences. How can we welcome and accept each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? And and the answer Paul's holding out to us is is the grace of God in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The the grace that comes to us through Christ is both the, the motivation and the power for getting along with other Christians. And so when we play the judge or when we act as if we are Lord, when we start criticizing and and condemning and despising our fellow Christians, um, do you know what's going on? We're we're suffering from a disease. Paul, uh, Paul Tripp calls it gospel amnesia. We have forgotten how broken and lost we were. We have forgotten how needy we still are. We've forgotten how gracious God has been to us. We've, we've forgotten that, that Jesus went to the cross for us, that, that Jesus was rejected and condemned so that we could be welcomed and accepted. It's, it's gospel amnesia. We've forgotten the good news. And, and here's the thing. Jesus didn't do that just for me alone. Jesus also did it for that, that Christian that gets on my nerves. And they're thinking the same thing about you. Um, How can I reject someone that God has welcomed in Christ? You know, how can I despise someone God loves so deeply? And so, Grace Bible, let's bring the grace of the gospel into our disagreements. Let's bring it into our differences. Let's welcome each other because God has welcomed us in Christ. Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, uh, would you help us to to really be just wowed by your, your love and your grace? Would you cause us to be transformed by the, the beauty and the wonder of the welcome that we've received in Christ? And, and would you help us Um, by your grace, to welcome each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as people loved by you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.